0: ladies and gents hope you're all well so this one is going to be overwhelmed question mark part four and i'm going to call this fear okay fear f-e-a-r i once read in a book that's false expectations appearing real maybe it is maybe it's all a bit projection maybe it's all a bit uh, visualizing the future and and worrying about stuff that hasn't happened yet i can i can buy into that but fear is something that holds us back in life generally Uh, We're fearful of taking risks because we visualise what could go wrong. And I think in school leadership, in any job, come on, it's a job, it's just a job. We fear losing our jobs, don't we? We fear being unemployable. We fear, uh, fear not being able to pay our mortgage. We fear the drop of status. Because our first priority, obviously, is to look after ourselves financially and look after our family and the people we care about. So keeping your job, job security is massively, massively important. Yes, I know if you believe Twitter, all teachers are saints and, you know, we just do it and it's a vocation and all school leaders are amazing and everybody just, I just love the kids. I just love the kids so much. I'm such a good person. But actually, look, it's a job we do for money. I used to say many moons ago, um, listen, if I won the lottery, tell you what I'd do. I'd set up my own school. Well, we kind of did that, didn't we? With Michaela. Uh, and then when I took up a charter again, massively, massively, radically changed the school. It was very separate from the trust and it was a phenomenal experience. Then I had a new school later on became Waterside Academy. I massively changed our school. So I've done quite quite a bit of that. And I'm still doing that with the schools I work with. Only, only thing I can do is whisper in your ear and give you advice. I can't make you do anything. Anyway, putting that aside, we work for money, we're frightened of losing our jobs uh, and I think a lot of heads I mean, I say middle leaders I teachers at all levels actually have this sense of sort of down they place they're, they're waiting for it, what's the expression, waiting for the second shoe to drop um, they're always fearful that they're going to lose their jobs you know, when I come into school sometimes and i work with an MFL department for example, you can tell there's a sense of from the MFL department, there might be a sense of Why have they brought you in? Why have they brought you in? Well, I'm here to help you. And I'll be really honest with people. I say, listen, this is how I can make your life easier. This is how we can improve results. This is how we can improve performance of the kids. There are issues within the department. And there are always bigger whole school issues as well. I'm going to be honest about that. Um, Let's go back to fear. Fear is the biggest factor that will hold us back in life. I would maintain. If I thought about that more carefully, I might be a bit more nuanced. But I'm going to say... Fear is the biggest factor that holds us back in school. We fear disapproval, don't we? We fear disapproval. We want to fit in. This is just like the kids, isn't it? We want to fit in. We want to be accepted socially. So we want to be accepted by the trust. We want the trust to like us. Uh, And if we've got, if we're one of those large trusts with, you know, layer upon layer upon layer of bureaucracy, we want to appeal and appease. And uh, get the approval of our boss and the next 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 boss. So the more layers of bureaucracy, the more layers of structure, um, the more layers of management, uh, there are more people to please. And maybe the fear factor grows, I don't know. So we're fearful of being attacked or disapproved of. We're fearful of parents attacking us. And they will. We know they'll go straight to Ofsted. We know they'll go straight to governors. We know they'll go straight to the press. Not all parents, but a lot of parents. Now, I'm going to give you my theory on parents, okay? A lot of people won't like this, but here goes. In the same way I imagine there are 100 kids. There are 100 kids. Imagine 100 kids. 10 diamonds, 10 who are hard work, 80 in the middle, looking, which way do I jump? It's a little bit bit like the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, okay? Because, you know, so it's 10% of kids take up a good 90% of our time, the naughty kids, yeah. Now with parents, I'm going to say, imagine you've got 100 parents, you've got 10% of parents that will be very supportive. Um, you've got 10% of parents, this is my experience, 10% of parents that are very vocal and against you. And then you've got 80% in the middle, don't say much, mm, quite apathetic, they're kind of floating voters. But having said that, they quite like it. When there's a Facebook group or there's some, some controversy to be stirred, they quite like the show, okay? They quite like the spectacle of it. Um, oh, Barry, you're so insupportive of parents. Look, I want, I want parents to support their kids. And if the school is well-run, I'm going to say the best way to support your kid is to support your school. If the school is well-run. So I do feel for parents where their kids are in a badly-run school, but... I'm not a big fan of the parent who loves to attack the school for the fun of it, or loves to watch the spectacle on Facebook and, and clap from the sides. Yeah, if I saw something today, a little, a little tweet which was interesting. There was a Trinity Leeds. Don't know if you know Trinity Leeds. I visited it once. Interesting place. Um, I think it has lots of potential. Um, and there was a parent saying, "Oh, really love this." Actually, there was a series of tweets I saw. Different parents. Commenting upon essentially, uh, my child's school is warm and strict, uh, and it's been really good for him, it's really been really good for her. Yeah, obviously, the schools retweet that they like that, and to be honest, I tend to agree, but everything within moderation as well. You know, what I don't know what warm and strict necessarily means, what one school calls warm and strict, another school would you know, they it's always open to interpretation. Anyway, my point was, my point was. There was a parent there saying positive things about the school. The school went, oh, we're really lucky to have little Johnny. I'm saying it's not luck. It's not luck. Choose your school carefully as a parent. Don't necessarily believe the hype. Don't necessarily believe the PR. Be critical of the PR. Be critical of the hype. And also take everything you see in an open evening with a huge pinch of salt. But do go into the school. Hang around the school. It sounds odd, doesn't it? But hang around the school in the morning. See how the kids arrive on site. See how the kids walk past the teachers, how they interact and talk to the teachers. Visit the school. Walk around the school. Insist on seeing the school at break time and at lunchtime. Don't be f- insist on saying, oh, what does lunch time look like, break time look like, what are the queues like for toilets, what are the queues like for food? Don't be fobbed off, because schools do this all the time, they do it to me. They show you art, because kids are lovely, they're content, they're drawn away, it's a nice atmosphere. They show you PE, kids are having a nice time, they're running around the field. Get to see English, maths, not science experiments, science teachers lecturing. Get to see academic subjects where you sit down and you've got a pen in your hand and you have to write. Get to see the internal isolation room. They'll call it something else. They'll give it some silly name. If you're a parent, go and look in the nooks and crannies. Don't believe the PR the school is selling, is giving you. I'll go back to the school. I mentioned Trinity Leeds earlier. I find it very interesting. I'd advise people to go and see there. Um, I think it's got huge potential. So I'm not denigrating that school at all. I think it's very, very interesting school. I use the word interesting because... I'm never going to use, I hope I don't anyway, use, never. (laughs) Um, I I don't like hyperbole too much. You know, it's like, uh, I will often say good things about Q3, in Q3 Langley, yeah, and the head, Peter Lee, nice bloke. I'm not going to sing and dance about the school, but I'm going to say it's a school worth seeing because this is the school that doesn't rest on its laurels, that's looking to improve all the time. And that's the best you can say of a school generally. Michaela is in a league of its own. Okay? Now people try to replicate Michaela. I don't think it's it can't be replicated. There were lots of parallels between what I did at um Charter and Michaela. But I've been teaching for seventeen years before I joined Michaela. So inevitably a lot of Michaela and me they are very, very linked, don't they? Hence Charter had a lot of Michaela elements and whilst I was more of an advisory role at um, Hackney New School, Waterside. Again, similarly, there were at the time similarities. Any place I go, you're going to see similarities with Michaela. But it's whether or not a school carries it through afterwards. Fear. Back to fear. God, I'm waffling today. When you're frightened of as a headteacher when you're frightened of the trust, as a head of department, or as a teacher, when you're frightened of the head, when you're frightened of parents, when you're frightened of children's reactions, when you're fighting, frightened of SEND activists, and they really are a brand unto themselves, yeah, um, then you're going to be paralysed. You're going to be trying to second guess everybody, trying to please everybody all the time, and you really can't do that and improve the school. Because, again, it's this... It's all this identity politics stuff, isn't it? This this focus on the individual, the, the, the atoms, the atomic nature of the school, the individual people. We've got to serve everybody to the max. We've got to give every individual absolutely everything they want. Well, that's not the world. That really isn't the world. But that's what we'll be criticised for on social media, in the press, Ofsted. You know, I, I've had all situations in the past. With Ofsted, yes, but what about this one boy? Okay, I cannot build a school around this one boy. This one boy who refuses to work with us. This one boy who refuses to pick up a pen. This one boy, and it goes on, it goes on. And there's always a long line of history. There'll always be siblings, there'll always be parents that just refuse to work with you. And you can only take a horse to water. But fear of being misrepresented is a huge thing in education. I am going to say it, kind of phrase. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Think how often Catherine Burble Sing is attacked. She's, now you might not agree with it, and I am not saying she's perfect. I, I mean, I agree with her on lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. It has to be said, I can't think of anybody else I agree with more in education. Um, but nobody's perfect. We're all flawed. We all make decisions, have to revise our decisions because we afterwards we think, no, that wasn't the right decision. That doesn't make you a bad person. But being feared, fearful all the time that you're going to be attacked and misrepresented, you can't live like that. If you live like that, then it's going to make you incredibly cautious. And what do cautious heads do? They stay in their office. They pretend that the world outside of their office, everything's fine. How do you know it's fine? Well, I've got the paperwork. I've got the spreadsheets. I've got the data analysis. The spreadsheets and, and the data analysis, they can look lovely, you know. They can, you, can, you can change colours. You can change fonts. You can do pie charts. You can do all sorts of lovely things. Let's face it, we all know people on SLT that aren't particularly great, but they're employed for their ability to do really good spreadsheets right? Schools like SLT who can do really good spreadsheets. A lot of people are encouraged to do lots of data analysis. And then we sit in a room and we discuss the data. Discuss it. You don't need to look at that data to know what's going on in your school. But you're fearful and you spend a lot of time looking at data because data is comforting. It's something you can crunch in a room without any children around you. You need to get out of that room. You need to get into the corridors. You need to see the lessons that aren't finishing properly. The lessons where the teacher finishes early because the teacher is just so tired and so out of their depth and the kids are all standing and chatting with their coats on. I say it again and again and again. But then nobody is giving a really tight house style routine for this is how we end lessons. And then if they do gives some kind of this is lesson end routines. It's a PowerPoint slide at the start of term. That's nothing. We've got to be in lessons. We've got to show teachers what to do. We've got to train them step by step. They're not going to miraculously become really good at running the room unless we show them how to walk before they run. The minutiae of it all. How to be aware, how to be vigilant. I keep going back to vigilance. For example, sometimes I'll be working with a group yeah, a group of kids and I'm doing lots of modelling, doing lots of teaching. If it's in a school where the children are used to pushing back, pushing back, pushing back, they, they don't have a myriad ways to undermine the teacher. They have the same old ways, it's really obvious. But for example, they'll ask lots of ridiculous questions. But they deliberately ask questions to undermine the teacher. They ask questions they know fine well the answer. They ask questions when... The instructions have been explained incredibly carefully and the instructions may be even written on the board and it's an incredibly simple, straightforward task. There are always going to be children who will be trying very, very hard to undermine the teacher and to sabotage the lesson. So that's what we've got to train teachers in, to plan lessons thinking, right, how could a lazy kid hide in this lesson? How could a lazy kid sabotage this lesson? And when you have tight Systematic, precise, and concise routines—you may be attacked. There's a strong likelihood you're going to be attacked. If you're fearful of being attacked, you're scuppered. If you have really tight house, a uh, really tight house style, there will be some teachers that will push back. They'll often go, "Oh, but it won't work for special needs." Yes, it does. So I'm going to know those special needs kids, whatever that means. I'm going to know the names of those kids. I'm going to be in those lessons. And I'm going to be really honest and say, listen, the kids that you say that you love more than life itself, they're not getting a good deal with our current system. So this is how we have tight teaching, predictable teaching, precise and concise teaching, precise and concise resources. This is how we use the resources effectively. This is how we remove ambiguity from school. Again, people are fearful of the fifth column in schools. The staff that don't want to change, the staff that don't want to work with you, the staff that will go to the union rather than come to the line manager. Oh, better head, better again, go to the, go to the horse's mouth. Talk to the head teacher. Don't talk to a member of SLT that is interpreting... Interpret- And can't speak this morning. Interpreting somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. It becomes Chinese whispers. Go at the head and say, listen, this isn't working. I don't understand. Could you come in and show me how to do this? And if the head's worth his salt, he should be able to come in and he should be able to demonstrate what he's looking for. And if it's not working for him, he needs to be going right then. If it's not working for me, am I asking something of staff that I can't do? And then we need to revisit what we're asking staff to do. It's all good and well taking an idea from the internet. It's all good and well taking somebody else's PowerPoint. It's all good and well copying whatever whatever is fashionable. Are you able to make it work in your school? Are you able to show your staff how to make it work? Have you got the nose to make the changes to make this system work? Or does this system need to be changed so radically that actually it wasn't a good system in the first place? And you were just taken in by um, the public relations um, feeding frenzy that you often see on Twitter. So fear. Don't be fearful of telling staff, this is the house style, this is what we're going to do. Don't be fearful of going to lessons and showing staff how to do it properly. That's how you gain Uh, buy in that's how you you gain a sense of well he is trustworthy you can relate to this person this person doesn't say one thing do another this person isn't just talk he can walk that talk as well it's going to take time to win trust but don't be fearful of being directive don't be fearful of being I would say honest but not brutally honest Be honest enough to say, listen, we're not giving the kids a great deal at the moment. There are lots of structural issues that I need to fix as the head. But we've also got to look at our own performance as teachers, the nature of our resources, the nature of our strategies. And we need to have a coherent, unambiguous approach to effective teaching. This is the whole house style, whole school style. I can model this. I know it works. I've done it before. And I'm going to be in your lessons. I'm going to help you. And of course, there'll be nuance in your style according to your subject area. But we have to be coherent in how we teach. And that has to be across the school. It's what all of us need to support one another. It's what all of the children need so they can make rapid progress. Rapid progress, rapid. Do I want to use the word rapid? Well, yeah, I want every lesson to be a lesson where kids leave thinking, yeah, every second counts in that lesson. That teacher's not wasting my time. I see a lot of lessons where a lot of time is wasted. Books are handed out badly. Books are handed in badly. Kids are constantly fiddling. Um, Imprecise instructions. Teachers talking over kids. Kids talking as... um, and, And giggling and fiddling. And just deliberately undermining teachers. And teachers choose to turn a blind eye. I see schools where teachers are frightened to use sanctions. Um, because part of the system is you must, if you use a sanction, you must contact the parent. No, don't do stuff like that. Don't put teachers in that position. I say schools where teachers are very trigger happy with sanctions, but then teachers aren't shown a really effective way to teach or how to develop really effective resources. So teachers aren't questioning their own ability because we can't keep kicking the can down the road. We can't do that. Well, Schools do, and they do it for years. And again, it's the fear factor. I don't want to offend the kids. I don't want to offend the parents. I don't want the parents to go to Ofsted. I don't want the parents to go to the press. I don't want the parents to go to governors. But what if you're just proud of what you're doing? What if you're just honest about what you're doing? What if you you say, listen, a lot of change needs to be made, and I'm not going to lie. What if you're honest to the trust? What if you're honest to your board of governors? What if you say to your governors, oh, Get in here. I want you, I want your own school. I want you to see what we're doing. And don't just talk from some ivory tower or out the top of your head, top of your heart is that the expression, and, and and tell us how to run the school. I'm going to show you the daily challenges that these teachers have, that these kids have. The daily challenges is an SLT that we have. The daily challenges I have as the head with an SLT I've inherited that needs a hell of a lot of work. If we're more honest with one another. Now I think that's the root of success. Okay, I think personal integrity, success. Okay, so personal integrity slash success slash not being too much of a money ho. Yeah, Listen, we work for money. We know that. Okay, but it's a balancing act, isn't it? It's a tightrope because if you are too honest, you fear losing your job, and I go back to job security fear, so did Damocles. But my advice would be if you are fearful. Of the s activists, if you're fearful of governors, if you're fearful of the trust, if you're fearful of parents, well, you're, you're empowering all of these other people to decide your school's culture. You're empowering the worst parents in the school to decide the culture. You're empowering the most difficult teachers in the school to um, design your culture. You're empowering most badly behaved children in the school to design your culture. Instead, I would say, don't fear them, go right. Identify from the start of the day, what does the start of the day look like? How do I want it to look? The way children and adults talk to each other, how do I want it to look? The way lessons start, the way lesson ends, the way we hand out books, the way we do Q&A, the way we supervise, the way we model writing where we supervise and model spoken responses, the way we organise lunch, the way we organise toilets, the way we organise break, the way we organise detentions, the way we organise internal isolation, the way we praise, the way we use sanctions, the clarity, the overcommunication of our culture. What do I want it to look like? Not, if I do this, will other people like me? What do I want this to look like? Then what have you got to fear? What if you really got to fear if you're going with what you genuinely believe in? The truth is you've still got the fear of, will other people not like it? Will I lose my job? I don't see any alternative other than you go for it, you try to create the school you believe in, or you shrink and you try to appease other people. Now I know what it's going to be. I'll go back to that balancing act, okay? Live to fight another day. And to a certain extent, you're working in a sector that has a certain set of values that maybe counter your own values. You know this pressure left, right and centre to do those things you don't believe in. You know it's very fashion-based. You know that it's very a bureaucratic system. And a lot of the bureaucracy will not help the kids or the staff. But you're ticking those boxes to live to fight another day. And I know you've got to do that. Of course everybody's got to do that. It's a game. Again... There is that fear element, isn't it, that goes rippling through it all. My advice again would be, you tick the minimum boxes possible. Because when you get your sense of self-worth out of your ability to tick boxes, you're already lost. I'm a really good head, because I can tick boxes. I'm a really good deputy, because I can tick boxes. I've seen people in those positions. And then the politics within the organisation changes, and they're out on that ear. But I, but I ticked all the boxes you want me to tick. I was a good boy. I was compliant. I was conformist. We've changed our mind now. I've seen that happen. Don't buy to the boxes. Tick the minimum boxes. Tick the boxes that will allow you to fight another day. Tick the boxes that will allow you to stay in position so you can do the big picture stuff you really believe in. There you go, that would be my take. Of course, I'll say my same old refrain, look, my biggest assets, I'm an old man. I don't have a mortgage and I don't have kids. That allows me and has allowed me a lot of freedom. And I absolutely 100% get it. If you are somebody in their 30s with a family support and kids, you're probably going to be incredibly conformist to live to fight another day. And you'll be making sacrifices to keep your job. I understand that. And you know, I'm not going to knock you for that at all. Because ultimately, your first priority in life will be protecting your own livelihood, protecting your family, and that's human nature, and that's perfectly normal. But it's a fearful existence. You know, it's the nature of the world, isn't it? You know, we're all selling ourselves, we're selling our... Whatever skill set we have, we're selling it to the highest bidder. And when you are SRT, um, well, you know, they're heads of of department on 50 grand and so on. But when you're S L T and you, you, you're on big books and we always spend according to how much money we've got. So your mortgage is probably corresponding to the salary you have. Your car is probably corresponding to the salary you have. You like those material possessions. Then yeah, I understand the temptation. I'll fit in. I'll do as I'm told. It's a tough one, isn't it? It's human nature. Um, so what have you learned from this recording? (laughs) Listen, I, I can't, I don't have all the answers in the world at all by a long way. I can only speak from a personal angle. My personal angle would be, I absolutely understand it if you want to be conformist because you want job security. Got it. You're going to do stuff there that's right for you, which isn't right for your staff, isn't right for your kids or the pupils, because ultimately you want to protect your own family. I understand that, that's human nature, and I cannot knock you for that. It would be nice if you could find a middle ground where I'll tick the boxes necessary, the bare minimum, but I don't believe in the boxes. I don't get myself worth from the boxes. And then that will give me the scope to do the stuff I really believe in for this school. But then to be able to do that, you have to have a very definite vision of what you believe in. And, you know, a lot of head teachers probably don't. A lot of people in education go up the ranks, get uh, promotions by being conformist. And maybe they don't have a very strong personal vision of what they want. I don't know. Um, I can't speak for every head, can I? I've met lots. Um, and I would say, I don't meet many that have a strong sense of vision for their school. I think there's a a corporate nature to many heads. Maybe that's quite a recent thing as well. Large trusts want people who are trust men and women, who fit into the trust mold. Whereas, which again, I can kind kind of understand. I definitely understand. If I were overseeing a trust, I'm not going to employ head teachers that are maverick. I'm going to employ head teachers that have got values similar to mine. There you go. So that's going to breed a conformity, isn't it? It will have, like anything, there are trade-offs. Like anything, it's a double-edged sword. There are positives. There are negatives. So it's complex. Recruitment is complex. Let's face it. It's really hard to find teachers. So finding senior team that have got vision that is aligned with your own and uh, the drive to do what you want them to do, but if you also want them to be conformist, I mean, that's a, that's a very, 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 very precise recipe that you're looking for. Very difficult to find. So there you go. They were my meanderings for this week. 29 minutes. Um, I do CPD. When I say I do CPD, I don't stand in front of an audience and tell you gags. I'll come to your school, I'll work with the head, I'll work with the SLT, I'll talk about the start of the day, the end of the day, start of lessons, end of lessons, corridors. Um, You know, I say this all the time. I'm looking at very, 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 very practical ways to improve your school. I've been working with people on reading programs, because I see that done really badly. I work with MFL, I've been teaching Spanish recently, which is good because I don't have any Spanish. But again, I'm looking at very, very, very practical, step by step, the minutiae, the attention to detail that makes schools run very effectively and allows you to preempt the high frequency errors that often occur in schools. So it's not jargon. Can't be doing with jargon. Jargon will come and go, fashions will come and go. What I'm interested in is. I guess it's a psychology of that group of people, isn't it? How you can win over that group of teachers to make them a better version of themselves. How you can get them to buy into your vision for your school. How you can clarify your own vision for your school. Because sometimes that's very hazy. And how you can get children to understand, well, when they follow instructions, when they are obedient, because obedience is good. When they learn to follow instructions first time, every time, and the instructions are precise and concise, get children to understand, wow, I'm learning lots. I'm good at this. I'm capable. I can be so much more than I currently am. That's the minutiae of what I'm looking at. Anyway, if you want to chat to me, DM me on Twitter. So that's Barry N. Smith 79. That's at Barry N. Smith 79. And very happy to chat. Chatting costs nothing. The podcast listen to them, revisit them, revisit them again. You'll hear me use very similar language because I'm all about, I'm trying to be anyway, about a consistency of message, over communicating what you want for your school. It's got to be what you want for your school. So going back to the fear bit, if you're fearful of losing your job, how are you going to find that middle ground? So the school becomes more a representation of you, your character, your vision, and less a representation of your fear that you might lose your job. That's the, that's the line you're walking. It's a tough one. Good luck, ladies and gents, ladies and gents, and, uh, and have a lovely week. Cheers.